Welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Your hosts are Becky Olson and Sharon Hennepin. Our show is here to help breast cancer patients, survivors, their friends and family with the resources, support, and inspiration they can use right now. Here are your hosts, Sharon and Becky. Welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. I'm Sharon Hennepin. I'm a 23-year breast cancer survivor, a certified life coach, and the author of my upcoming book, Thriving Beyond Cancer. And my name is Becky Olson. I'm a three-time 20-year breast cancer survivor. I'm also a professional speaker and the author of The Hat That Saved My Life. And we're Sharon and I are also the co-founders of Breast Friends, and we have a super important topic today. Our guest today is Tamika Felder, and Tamika is a cervical cancer survivor, and she's going to share with, with us some very interesting and super important information about cervical cancer. Welcome, Tamika. Thank you both for having me. It's an honor to be here with you today. Well, we're thrilled well, to have you. you. Yeah, We're excited to learn more about this. So why don't you introduce yourself to our audience and tell us your story? Okay. My name is Tamika Felder, and I am a 15-year cervical cancer survivor. I was diagnosed in 2001 when I was 25 years old. And wow. it came out of nowhere. You know, I look at my life now, and sometimes I can't believe what I went through. And there are people who think, you know, if their cancer diagnosis wasn't something very long-term or if they didn't have, say they had treatment, but they didn't have surgery, or they had surgery and no treatment or whatever, they think that their experience, well, it could have been worse. But your experience is your experience. And what I've learned over the years is that, that diagnosis that happened to me completely rocked my world and it changed it. And I'm glad that I rose up from it because cancer is so disrespectful. It comes in and it just alters <laughs> it your sure life is, isn't you it? and your audience now. So I had a radical yeah. hysterectomy followed oh. by chemotherapy and radiation. And at 25, I wasn't married. I didn't have children. And even if I was married and had children, it would still be devastating. But for me, it was even more so because I wasn't starting my family yet. And cancer meant ending it. And I went through this whole emotional uh toss-up with myself because I thought no one would ever accept me. No one would ever love me because I would not be able to give birth to have a child. Mm -hmm. And I beat myself up for it for a very long time. And, you know, I'm happy to say that my happy ending is that I'm married. I have a wonderful stepdaughter. She's 13 years old, and she fills my life with so much joy. And she's made me understand that you don't have to give birth to someone to truly love them. I knew that before cancer, but I know it even more. (laughs) Um, How I live my life beyond my cancer is that I understand that life is meant to be lived, whatever that means to you. For me, it means knowing that at one point, whether it's cancer or something else, this life, this body that I'm in will end at some time. So I have to live my life to the fullest. Sometimes that means vegging out on the couch and not doing anything for the whole weekend. Other times that means heading to China and climbing on the Great Wall Woo-hoo! and enjoying things that I've always had on my bucket list. Um, Absolutely. What I want, I'm, a, I'm a big big believer in bucket lists for sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's great, you know, to write out what you want to do. In yeah. terms of being an advocate, so when I was diagnosed in 2001, and you, I know you guys can also relate to this, it was before 
social media. It was before Google. It was only AOL listers, and, you know, it wasn't cool to be a cancer survivor. And so things were very limited. I was lucky because I found the Almond Cancer Fund for young adults right at the end of my treatment, and I realized that I needed something more in my life. And I never went into this thinking I would be an advocate, that I would share what I call my coochie story, you know, because it's such a personal topic to talk about. (laughs) And here I am over a decade later, and I talk so much about, you know, my cervix and vaginas and all those (laughs) things that as a good Southern girl, you're not supposed to talk about. But it's because cervical cancer it's the first cancer we can actually do something about. And so that's why I talk about it. I started an organization that was called Tamika and Friends um, in 2005. Now it's called Survivor, and that's spelled C-E-R-V-I-V-O-R. And, you that know, is so clever. Good play on words there. It is there. clever. <laughs> I know. I love that new name. Yeah. Thank you. And what it's about is because of the stigma of the human papillomavirus, which causes 98% of cervical cancer and other HPV-related cancers. We don't talk about it enough, and we don't talk about it in terms of patient advocacy is because women are ashamed, and they don't want to talk about it. So I empower women, and I inspire them to share their stories through our survivor schools. And, you know, when people ask me why well, I did this, I'll tell you very honestly, Sharon and Becky, I did it for selfish reasons because I didn't want to be alone. I didn't want to be the only girl that, you know, wore this scarlet C and these letters HPV on her chest and stamped on her forehead. And yeah. I built a community, and I built a community. People who always thank me for this community and what they don't realize, um, they've changed my life forever. And I Isn't couldn't it wonderful? imagine it without them. Yeah. Yeah, we feel the same way about breast friends. I mean, it's yeah. it's obviously we did it for, I think, the right reasons. But, yeah, we get so much out of it ourselves. So I totally understand what you're saying. So before we go on to um, the HPV piece of it, I really want to find out about the health insurance piece. Because I know um, I read another article and, and you didn't have health insurance um, for quite a while. And how is that important to your story? It's so very important to my story. So my profession, television producer, and I was freelancing. So I moved from South Carolina, and, you know, back then before the Affordable Health Care Act, college students, once you got to, you know, a certain age, you had to get off your parents' insurance. And so I distinctively remember my mom telling me, oh, okay, you know, you're about to be off the insurance. You have to go get your physical, your checkup, all this other stuff, begrudgingly. You know, I did it. I didn't want to, <laughs> yep. but I did it. And then I moved from South Carolina to Washington, D.C. to start my career, and I started working. But every job I found, which were great jobs, but they didn't offer health benefits. And at the time, oh. being 20, you know, my 20s, I didn't care. Here I am, you know, covering, you know, political elections, traveling around, and not thinking, because you think you're young and you're invincible, right, no matter what type of health you're in. And I remember coming so true. and driving on the beltway. I had a five-speed, and I had this knot under my arm. And it had been bothering me, and I had tried every home remedy that you could think of. And so I was talking to my mom, and she said, you need to go to the emergency room. So I went to, you know, an outpatient facility that was open. And the doctor there asked me this simple question, when was your pap? When was this? And I had to think about it, and it was three years. And I remember, because he asked me, he said, why? Why did you wait so long? Because back then, it was you had to go in every year, and I can get into that later about, you know, guidelines and things for cervical cancer. 
So I explained to him, one, didn't have insurance. Two, the last time I had seen a a doctor to get my pap test, she fat shamed me. You know, I'm a plus size woman. And she was feeling my belly and she said, you know, you really need to lose some weight because if you're ever pregnant, you'll never know. And I thought to myself, well... I hope I would know. I know there are TV shows and people who don't know, but I hope I would know. But it made me You'd not think, want right? to go back to the doctor. It embarrassed me. I can understand that, yeah. And so mm-hmm. I, I didn't go. You know, yeah. having a pap test is already an invasive procedure. But to have someone shame me because of my body in such a mm-hmm. revealing way, at such a revealing time, it didn't make me want to go. So I was one of those people. I went for a few years. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. those few years nearly cost me my life. It cost me my Boy, fertility. I still have my life. Yeah. But so insurance is, is very important. And I'm so happy now that young people, especially through an Affordable Health Care Act, are able to stay on their parents' health insurance for a little longer. And not only that, that these screenings for cervical cancer, because we actually have an HPV test, that detects the virus that causes cervical cancer, that's also included within the Affordable Health Care Act because it's not just about having insurance. It's also about having access. Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. And access is and, very important. And the Breast and Cervical Cancer Program provides um, vouchers for mammograms as Absolutely. well as pap smears, right? Yes. And so we yeah. have to, you know, when I go and talk, I always say we have to talk about the breast and we have to talk about below the belt. And I uh, turned 40 last year. And um, one of my <laughs> dirty secrets that I've been sharing when I go talk to people, I've been so busy that I didn't schedule my mammogram. And, <laughs> and I'm not going to beat myself up about it, even though I did, but I immediately called my friend who's a breast cancer survivor, and I said, will you go with me? Because I think that I'm scared. And she said, absolutely. Yeah. And so I have it scheduled, and I'm going this month. And what I would encourage not only just people, but just even other survivors who don't have breast cancer to get screened for other cancer screenings because it's so important. I have a history of breast cancer in my family and several other types of cancer. And what we need to do, even as advocates, we're so busy, but we have to take care of ourselves first. Yeah, that's true. Absolutely. You know, a lot lot of people really hesitate to go get mammograms because they think it's going to be scary. So a suggestion that we like to make is go with a group of girls, book them all at the same time. And so go have a mammogram and then a margarita. So now we need to come up with something (laughs) for Pap and Pepsi? I don't know. <laughs> I love that. Pepsi, we I want, we that. want also, money from I'll Pepsi for that. More friends. <laughs> yeah. Something like that, yeah. yeah. Just make a party out of it because it's not, it is invasive and it's not fun. But, you know, if you may turned it into an event, it could be okay, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Celebrate, you know. Absolutely. <laughs> so when you, other than the lump under your arm, which did that have something to do with the cervical cancer? or cancer at all. The only thing it had to do do okay. with my cancer is that it got me into the doctor. Okay. And had I not okay. gotten okay. into I the doctor, sure. I would have never met my wonderful new uh, general practitioner who was the one who actually found my cancer. When she found out okay. that I hadn't had a pelvic screening, she said, let's do one. And I remember, you know, thinking, oh, God, this is not going to be, she's going to tell me to lose weight, which she did. But 
she made me come back in two weeks to talk about the results. And I said, you know what? I've got a television show I'm working on. It's a new job. I don't have time for this. And she said, well, that's what I do with my patients. And she was one of these people. She was very staunch about it, and she scared me, quite frankly. So I went back in two weeks. And I remember her touching me by my (laughs) knee and saying, oh, well, no high blood pressure, no this, no that. And I remember thinking, oh, this is great. And actually grabbing my purse and about (laughs) to leave. And then she nudged me to stay seated, and she said, now let's talk about your pap. Mm. And it literally was like one of those auto body experiences. You know, for me, I thought, because I'm overweight, if she told me I had diabetes or, you know, high cholesterol or something like that, I could understand that. But I couldn't understand cervical cancer. I had never known anyone yeah. with cervical cancer. And this was before the HPV vaccine. This was even before they had an HPV test. So it's not like people were talking about HPV or cervical cancer. I'd worked on a health show where we talked about all kinds of things. And we'd never talked about cervical cancer or HPV. So I was dumbfounded when this happened to me. And I was absolutely ashamed. I didn't want anybody yeah. to know. Yeah. I remember my Christian yeah. Southern mother saying, don't say anything about it. Don't tell anybody. People will yeah. say stuff about Keep you. Keep it quiet. Yeah, you yeah know, when exactly. I, when, I, when I was asked, when I found out I had breast cancer and they asked me if I had a family history, I said no because I didn't know I did. Turns out my grandma had it. My dad's sister had it. Nobody talked about it. I, and then finally when I got diagnosed, they all, I started hearing stories. It's so, yeah, people don't want to talk about it. So, you know what? We're going to run out of time in this first segment, and I have a couple questions I want to ask you. So, um, first, when you first found out you had cervical cancer, what kind of treatments did the doctors recommend, and how did you feel about that? So, they recommended um, um, surgery. Surgery was the first thing, and they told me that I wouldn't have chemotherapy or radiation. And when they went in to do the surgery, they ended up deciding that I would need chemotherapy and radiation. Um, So my surgery was a radical hysterectomy, so I still have my ovaries because I was 25 at the time, Mm -hmm. and they moved them up, one of them, my right ovary ovary called right ovarian transpositioning, and that was the thought to move it out of the radiation field so that I could potentially one day have a child um, Mm, through surrogacy. Oh, isn't that clever? So they moved it out of the area of radiation? Is that what you just said? Right over it. A lot of people who have GYN cancer, their ovaries are moved up, one of them. That's fascinating. I did not know that. I just learned something, Sharon. How about you? That's good. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) That's cool. Yeah. yeah, so okay. the, the technology for harvesting eggs back in 2001 was not there, and it was super mm-hmm. expensive, and it still is, but there are more resources for cancer patients. And mm-hmm. I was treated at Johns Hopkins. My team was wonderful. They really tried to wait it out. And my mother just said, save your life, stop waiting. And the thought at the time of having these unharvested eggs and only having two weeks to decide what to do. It was very overwhelming because you have to move really quickly. So I didn't do it. Um, So I had my surgery. I was diagnosed in April, had my surgery in June, which I held off for a while because I didn't believe I had cancer. I saw the second opinion of 10 doctors. Um, and they all told me the Ten. same thing. Oh, my Ten. goodness. I think they call that denial, maybe. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> yeah. and, and my doctor's team, you got to schedule it. you got to schedule it. Yeah. So I eventually scheduled it, and 
or they scheduled it because <laughs> I probably would have never scheduled it. Exactly. And, no, I don't have cancer. I'll just go find another one. <laughs> you, yeah, you that's know, good. It was so devastating for me. Yeah, it, it was yeah. like. I can 25 years old? Of course it was. Absolutely. Well, and anybody that hears the C word, it is, it's devastating. There's so many things that they know they're going to face, and some people don't even know what they're going to face, but they know it's going to be not not pleasant. So um, we only have about two minutes left in this segment, and so I want to ask you, and we're going to come back to, the can- to a cancer-free question later, but um, so I know this was a difficult time for you. Was there one magic bullet that you used that helped you get through that? The if you could give one piece of advice. keep going because I love mm-hmm. life. So mm-hmm. whatever life was going to be like for me, I just had to keep going because there were things that I still wanted to do. And I kept telling myself that, mm-hmm. that this was not how my story was going to end. Yeah, yeah, good, good. And I'm, I'm going to guess that you actually have a real written bucket list because you mentioned that earlier. I do, so, I do. Yeah, me, me too. I made mine three months after my first cancer diagnosis. And you know, I'm still working on it. Um, so, you know, there's all, you always have, here's one piece of advice to our listeners. If you have a bucket list, as you check one thing off, add a new thing on because it is your list of things to do before you die. You don't want it to be done. So yeah, just, you never want it to be done. Yeah, yeah. So always take something off, put something new on. So um, we are going to probably go out to break here in about a minute. So let me ask you that cancer free question. Okay. I know in with breast cancer, most of us are very hesitant to say we are cancer-free because cancer is such kind of a, a crazy thing. You just never know. In cervical cancer and with treatment for that, is it more sure that it's gone? It's more sure more that it's gone, but I will tell you, I used to think about it every day. I no longer think about it every day um, okay. in terms of I work in this space, so of course I think about it, but think about my cancer coming back. When you have friends who die, it makes you think about it. We know that sure, cancer cells work, so there's always a chance, but I don't okay. define my life by the cancer coming back, if that answers okay. your question. Okay, it yeah, does, okay. and we are actually going to go out to break now, but before we do go out to break, um, one thing I do need to mention on this show, because I think it's so important, you know, we spent a lot of time talking about palliative care in past episodes and how important it is, and as part of a patient's total care package, and did you know that Regents Health Plans offers the most comprehensive palliative care benefits, providing an added layer of support when you and your family need it most? So stay with us. We'll be back in a minute. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health & Wellness. Every day, you hear so much about different aspects of the health and wellness field. One day, you hear one thing, and the next day, you hear something that contradicts what you heard the day before. How do you know what's right? Try tuning in to The Cutting Edge of Health & Wellness today with Dr. Neil Nathan. Our goal is to educate and explore this field with guest experts in order to help you take control of your health and well-being. Listen Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Health & Wellness. Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to keep our doors open and to keep this radio program alive. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can visit us at breastfriends.org. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time for Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Visit breastfriends.org and contribute today. When was the last time you felt free? It's time to uncover that feeling again with the compassion of a cross and shield and the power of a card that 
opens doors to the best hospitals and medical centers in all 50 states. Giving you the freedom to love, to dream, to dance like no one is watching. Regions Blue Cross Blue Shield. Live fearless. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. are tuned into Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. To reach the program today, please call us at 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Becky at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to our program. We've been talking about cervical cancer with our guest, Tamika Felder. So, Tamika, you mentioned the HPV virus, and I just really am curious. I know, is 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 that virus the only reason you get cervical cancer, or are there other reasons as well? So, they list reasons to get cervical cancer, obesity, and having more than one sexual partner, not having any children, mm-hmm. having multiple children, um, having lower back and leg pain, frequent, frequent urination. But unequivocally, nine, research shows that 98% of all cervical cancer cases are caused by the human papilloma The virus. HPV. Okay. I'll be darned. Okay. So then obviously... Um, that vaccination that they've come up with is very important. Why don't we talk about that a little bit? It's really important. So um, we're 10 years out of having the HPV vaccine FDA approved. And, you know, people ask me all the time, are you pro-HPV vaccine? Because there are all this controversy about it because it's linked to a sexually transmitted virus, a very common sexually transmitted virus that most people at some point in their life, by the time they reach 50, will have one of the strains of the human papilloma virus or HPV. There are over 100 different strains. Most times people don't even know they have it because their bodies clear it on their own. Um, So people have them. It's just like the plantar warts that you get on your feet or your fingers, um, but they're different types, over 100 different subtypes. So for cervical cancer and other HPV-related cancers like vaginal, penile, anal, vulva cancer, there are these HPVs that don't always clear on their own, and they cause cancer. So that's where the problem comes in. Or if you've had an abnormal pap for, um, for pre-cervical cancer, and a lot of women don't understand what their abnormal PAPs mean, and that's what those abnormal PAPs are telling them. So that's oh. why the vaccine is very important. When it first came out, it was only FDA-approved for girls and young women ages 9 to 26. Now it's FDA-approved for boys and girls, which is a really good thing because of herd immunity. If the people who opt out don't want to do it, if the majority of the population gets vaccinated, that we will come very close to eradicating cervical cancer. I don't know if we'll ever completely, because there are people who just for whatever reasons, they still get it, or they were not, um, they had already been exposed to sex before they had the HPV vaccine. So it's important to note okay. that the reason why that age is so young is because even though parents don't want to hear it, younger people are having sex earlier and earlier. So it's FDA approved for ages 9 to 26, but we really want to get 
people when they're 11 and 12 because research shows that most 11 and 12-year-olds don't have sex. And it's important for young people, especially with these head and neck cancers, throat cancers or fungeal cancers, they have to get vaccinated because young people have oral sex. They don't look at that as sex. I just had a conversation with my stepdaughter who said, well, that's not sex. And I said, it is sex. And so it's important to get our young people vaccinated. Because <laughs> so you could actually have a HP, so you could actually get an HPV breakout or whatever you want to call it in your mouth or throat or that sort of thing. Right. Is that what you're saying? Okay. Exactly oh my goodness. Oh wow. my gosh. Okay. All right. Huh. Well, this so is a very informative show today. I'm learning all sorts you of things. You know, people are saying that between these HPV-related cancers, the joke is that we're killing first and third base. <laughs> you, know, like, <laughs> you know, we're taking the sexy out of it, and we're not trying to do that. In all honesty, we're trying to make sure that people are well-informed because, like I said, head and neck cancers are going to be the, one of the number one cancer-causing uh, HPV-related cancers in the U.S. And right now it's white males over 50. You know, Michael mm-hmm. Douglas, he came out a few years ago talking about his HPV-related throat cancer, if you remember. I don't remember that. but I uh, remember it was HPV. That's so fascinating. Yeah. Okay, uh, well, it, it makes sense, obviously, but, um, but, I, but I didn't know that. So, so that's why we're saying that young men need to, or young boys even, need to be vaccinated just as well as the girls do then. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, I think a lot of people thought that it is strictly related, that vaccine strictly related to cervical cancer and prevention of it. But from what we're hearing with you, it's not. It was only FDA approved for girls. And because Uh cervical cancer was the really the, the, the major problem. Right. So let me, I'm going to ask you about a a study that I heard that it's it's not um, directly related to the HPV vaccine or anything, but it was a report that I saw on WebMD. It was from 2011, and it was talking about men who are circumcised, um, their partners have a lower risk of, of getting cervical cancer if they themselves are circumcised. Do you have any information about that? Is the virus maybe trapped in the foreskin or something? I I, I don't know how that works. No, and just... that's what I was thinking. Um, there's no test for men, and I haven't read the report, so I can't really comment on it. But you can okay. always have me back on, and I'll read the report <laughs> and get some more information about it. <laughs> awesome. Or the Perfect. other thing you could do is write an article for us, and we could post that on you know on our social media that works um, great too. places too. So, yeah, that would yeah. be great as well. So, um, okay, well, I was just kind of wondering about that, what that connection might be. I suppose I should just read the whole report. It might actually tell me. I don't know. You know and, and I want to say, too, we're, we're talking about 80% of the population. So let's take away that people who think, well, cervical cancer, it only harms 14,000 women a year. And compared to breast cancer, colon cancer, those numbers are low. Cervical cancer used to be the number one killer of women. And then the PAP test was introduced in 1952 by Dr. George Papanicolau. And that was great. And PAP tests were working. They helped lo- lower the numbers for cervical cancer. Now we're actually increasing the numbers and it because it's because people think that it won't happen to them. And that's one reason why I started my organization to show these photos of these brave women who are telling their story. And they're, they're women who look like me, who look like you, you know, it's not, I'm just going to say it's sluts. It's anybody who's had sex. It doesn't matter if you've had sex one time or 10 times, you're exposed to the virus. 
Wow. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I, I mean, I really didn't realize that it had uh, to do with other kinds of cancers. So this is a very informative, um, uh, you know, topic that we're going through. So, so are there other cancers that it's related to besides the head and neck and cervical or is that it? It is. It's related also to anal cancer, penile cancer, vulva cancer, and vaginal cancer. Okay. Okay. So anything, anything that's connecting that part of the body to another right. part of the body. Got it. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah that okay. makes sense. So okay. let me ask you, with all of that. You have to be very comfortable talking about the body. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, you know, you we've, we've been talking about breasts for a really long time, and, you know, it's just a natural transition. So. <laughs> I think a lot of time breast cancer advocates get beat up because they're like, oh, breast cancer gets this, breast cancer gets that. But I think it's really important to talk about. There was a time when people didn't want to talk about breast cancer. That's true. So That's people exactly. all really paved the way. And, you know, thank you guys for all the work that you do and for okay. you, you yeah. didn't have to talk about the subject. And thank you yeah. for doing it. Well, and you know what, Susan G. Komen gets a lot of credit for that because they pretty much brought the subject out of the closet about 30 years ago. So we're really, um, you know, we're we're very much in awe of the work that they did. And it's sad that somebody had to die to make that happen. But um, it was, you know, it was a a good movement to do that. So, um, So let me ask you this question, Tamika. There's you know, it just makes so much sense what you're saying about this, um, getting the, the vaccine and all that. Why is there such an opposition to it? And why all the misinformation that's online? What, what's going on there? One reason. It has, it's connected to sex. Okay. And we don't like talking like you about said, sex. Yeah. Yeah. We don't want to think our kids are involved in doing that. And, you know, and, and it's kind of like when people were recommending birth control pills for, um, to control uh, acne. <laughs> it's like, um, you know, is that giving my daughter permission to have sex? And maybe that's, there's a parental thing. And I understand that. I, I get that. And mm-hmm. it's that tough line. It's that tough line. So how do you, how do we deal with that? You know, how do we? Number one, we share our stories. If you go on survivor.org, C-E-R-V-I-V-O-R, we share real stories with real faces. And we've okay. always done that since the inception of our website. Um, we've never had stock photos, and there's nothing wrong with that. But for us, it was really important to show those real faces, and that's how we're changing the narrative on cervical cancer okay. and HPV-related cancer. We share okay. real stories from real women. Too. Well, and and if oh, let me just ask you something. So, if a if a girl gets the gets the um, the vaccine in their when they're young, you know, what'd you say from nine to nine what to age? Twenty. Twenty-six. So, if they get the vaccine somewhere, anywhere in there, that will protect them into adulthood. Is that correct? Absolutely, especially if it's before they've had sexual intercourse. Okay, because so that is the time to do it. Yeah, being exposed to the yeah. virus. So even if she sex, waits until she's exposed. yeah, if she waits till she's twenty-five or thirty to get married, and and she's a virgin up until that very moment, we don't know what her partner's been involved exactly. in. So, so that's still going to protect her even throughout her life even if she's not sexually active as a, as a young person. So, you know, that seems, that seems pretty palatable to me. <laughs> so I'm right. sure that would, that would carry some weight. So, um, and yeah. To go okay. back and what answer it, the second part yeah. of that question uh-huh. that you previously asked, the other yeah. point, and you kind of already touched on it, there's so much misinformation that's out there. So the Internet is a powerful tool. I talked about how it was diagnosed, and we didn't have Google. You know, we had AOL search engines, dial-up. You know, there was no Ethernet <laughs> or things like that. And right. the good part is we can easily connect and get support. The bad thing is 
anybody can share anything without it being fact-checked. And there's a lot of misinformation out there about the HPV vaccine. And I get it. People don't like vaccines. They don't like things that are pushed upon them. I think when the vaccine first came out, um, I think the pharma company handled it in a poor way with all these mandates and there wasn't enough education that was out there. And I think that is a problem that they're trying to fix, but the damage is already done. When you look Mm -hmm. at places like Australia who did a mandate and they've been doing it now for 10 years, they've all but eliminated not only, um, they've eliminated pre-cancer. They don't get HPV diagnosis anymore because they did the herd immunity. And Mm -hmm. here in the U.S., we're still struggling with it. Even though um, cervical cancer isn't caused by genital warts, HPV also causes genital warts. The vaccine can help with that. And genital warts is something that is so devastating. It's something that people have to live with all their lives, and it makes life very difficult. So this vaccine helps a lot of things. What about things like, like, like herpes? You know, you always hear about vaginal herpes. Is there a connection to those two? It, it's not a connection for that, and hopefully okay. they do something. But it, genital warts, I've talked to uh-huh. people who've had genital warts, and it is an awful existence for them. Okay. Yeah. You know, all these things. You just So let me ask you a question. Do you think, in your heart of hearts, is it really possible to eradicate cancer? No, but I think we'll come pretty close. Okay. Yeah, I, I know there's, that's there's so much effort to do that, and it I would be... I think that there are going to always be certain cancers that are resilient to whatever. I think there are going to be these rare cancers that just happen, unfortunately. Yeah. But I think well, I can't, we'll cancer is a cell, it's a cell mutation, and until they can right. figure out, you know, and then how do things mutate, you know? They right. can go this way, I mean, and then they can mutate again, so... If you Isn't look that... at cervical cancer that used to be the number one killer of women before mm-hmm. Dr. Papa Nicolau invented the pap test, if you think about how those numbers significantly decreased from that time, so now we're adding in vaccines, we're going to get pretty close. Yeah, good. Well, it's a good thing when he named this vaccine, he didn't use his whole name because that would be, I'm here for my pap <laughs> Happen, Nicolau, whatever, whatever he said. Good thing he's shortened yeah. it a bit. But so yeah, it, it's um, it's it's good that you know that they're coming up with with different tests for different things. So, um, so yeah, let's we have talk to, about you know find a cure for breast cancer. We've got to find a yeah. cure for ovarian cancer. You know, yeah. my mom had multiple myeloma. My dad had uh, colon cancer. I hate cancer. Yeah, I hate oh, it. boy. Yeah. Definitely. Well, good for you for being out there and, and advocating for um, for the the cervical cancer. That's wonderful. Yeah, no kidding. So let me ask you a question about, I mean, I know we've been operating under the Affordable Care Act for a while. Um, have, have you had any recent experience? How has, has that helped? I mean, we, you know, there's so much talk about dumping it with the new election cycle. Not going to get into politics here, but I am curious about the Affordable Care Act. What would happen if it goes away in relation to cervical cancer and the testing? I'll tell what? you, I had someone who I know personally who sent me a text message. I'm mm-hmm. having some trouble. I'm bleeding, but I don't have insurance. Mm-hmm. What can I do? I felt so good to be able to tell her, go on the Affordable Health Care Act website and to be able to talk her <laughs> through it. And I'll 
tell you, in transparency, is something that I had to use. I quit my job a year ago, and before, I could never quit my job that I wasn't happy about. I stayed in the job because I needed my insurance. What if I got sick <laughs> again? What if my cancer came back? Sharon, and, we can relate to that, huh? <laughs> oh, boy. Howdy. Yep. And how you die a little every day. It's like the cancer mm-hmm. didn't kill me, but being at this job is going to kill me. Yeah. And I finally did it. And it hasn't been easy, but I've never been happier in my life. And I had a really good job mm-hmm. that paid very well. So I had to mm-hmm. go on the Affordable Health Care Act, fill out the information. And I remember doing it one evening, and someone called me at 7 o'clock in the evening, maybe about 20, 30 minutes after I went on the website. It helped me, and it was easy. Mm-hmm. And good. I well, am that's good thankful to hear. for it because I think no one should have to go without health care. There's so many people who let things just slide by because they don't mm-hmm. have health care. But unfortunately, some people still do. I was doing all those home remedies yeah. under my arm, yeah. I wouldn't. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you know, as I said when we started this broadcast, it's not about having access to just the health care. It's about being informed and knowledgeable so you know the signs, so you know when to go. It's about knowing where to go. It's about having time to go. You know, right now there are people who can't take off from work. I love my general practitioner, but when I go to see her, I literally have to take off half the day because she's one of those people, she's giving you therapy time and everything when you go see her, and she's a great Mm -hmm. doctor. But (laughs) I can't just run in and out. Never. I have some doctors who I can, but not with her. And so we also have to make it convenient for people who have families or who have jobs that are demanding and they just can't take off. Those yeah. are the things there's, that are important. You know, there's that. And then you've got bully bosses first. who, you know, yeah, bully bosses sometimes who don't really even honor what the actual protocol and laws are around time off. So, exactly. you know, we have that. You know, we actually have to go out for another break. So we're going to do that. But we will be back in just a couple minutes. So stay tuned. Step into a healthier you. Voice America Health and Wellness. Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to keep our doors open and to keep this radio program alive. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can visit us at breastfriends.org. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time for Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Visit breastfriends.org and contribute today. When was the last time you felt free? It's time to uncover that feeling again with the compassion of a cross and shield and the power of a card that opens doors to the best hospitals and medical centers in all 50 states. Giving you the freedom to love, to dream, to dance like no one is watching. Regents Blue Cross Blue Shield. Live fearless. Explore the power of natural healing with Howard Strauss. Join us each week for an informative program that will help you learn effective healing methods using natural remedies. Howard's guests include top researchers, authors, and experts who will share their views on a variety of natural products and healing methods that really work. Tune in to The Power of Natural Healing with Howard Strauss, Mondays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. You 
are tuned into Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. To reach the program today, please call us at 1 866 472 5792. Again, that's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to Becky at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. Hi, welcome back. We've been talking to Tamika Felder about cervical cancer. And I so, have a question. Let's, yeah, let's talk. Let's okay, finish up it. real quick about that Affordable Care Act because I know that even with that, and people are by law supposed to have affordable health insurance, they still don't, some of them. So, what can they do if you are concerned about some symptom? Where can you go if you don't have health insurance? And then we can move on to the next section. So, well, there's two things that I would recommend. One, Planned Parenthood. Another is most states in the United States and territories have the Early Breast and Cervical Cancer Detection Act or plan, depending on where you live. And so that's a really great resource that's out there. Okay, good. So yeah. you can and just if check you with do your get, And Go if ahead. you do get diagnosed while you're under that breast and cervical cancer program, they will automatically get you signed up with the affordable care or whatever. They'll, they'll get you set up with insurance. So that way you're... you're treatment is also covered as well as the actual tests. So yeah, that's, that's, that's an important factor. So, so quick definitely. question. Yeah, quick question. I'm sorry. <laughs> I just, I know our last segment's always the short one. So Tamika, I just want to ask you now that, you know, you're being very proactive about your health. What do you think your future holds? I, I think my future holds joy and happiness and life. Yay. And, you know, my, my legacy, I thought growing up, you know, I'm obsessed with Oprah. I thought I would be the next Oprah. I'd have this dynamic television show and tell stories and work in, you know, media. My legacy uh-huh. isn't going to be that. My legacy is going to be the lives that I saved. It's going to be yeah. that, you know, when people talk about me when they leave, I hope that I made them laugh, I made them feel welcome, that they had a good time when they were around me, and that I made a difference by saving people's lives from cervical cancer. That's awesome. I love it. I love yeah. it. And just the fact that you're telling your story and you're trying to break down these stigmas that have been associated, and, you know, it's been hard for people to, to kind of talk about this stuff so tell us a little bit more about that piece of it and um, how you try to bring that out of the closet if you will (laughs) that's exactly what it is and you know when I was single dating it was hard now I have to make sure that my husband is always comfortable with what I say because I talk about a lot of things I talk about you know the difficulties having you know a physical relationship after this type of cancer so my life truly is an open book and what I want people to know is that you may not physically be able to see what women who have this type of cancer go through, but it's devastating. Cervical cancer has an extremely high incidence of divorce, and oh. it's because of the intimacy and other things that happen after a cervical cancer diagnosis. You know, I want people to know that your stories matter, and I can't be the only one sharing my story or just a handful of us. So it's really about... For me, I'm passionate about finding in the U.S. the 14,000 women who are diagnosed worldwide. It's mm-hmm. nearly 600,000 women who are diagnosed with cervical cancer, and we have to make wow, it wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's nice that you've kind of created a place for them to come together and share their stories, and we'll kind of get more back to that here 
um, at, you know, at the end, because I want to make sure people know your website and everything as we as we close the show. So, so Sharon, I think you had another couple questions for her. Well, I wanted to make sure that we talked about that survivor school you started mentioning at the beginning um, and how how that impacts um, People uh, the tell women me that out. survivor school is life changing, which of course makes me feel really proud. And it's part retreat, part advocacy training. Um, because of my media background, a lot of times people, when they go speak, they want to tell every single part of their story. And not everyone wants to hear it. You have to really recognize who your audience is and what they Mm -hmm. need from them, you know, what you want to give them, what you want them to take away. And so I train Mm -hmm. people what to pull from their stories that matter. There was a time when cancer was startling. Because there's so many people talking about cancer now, there's some people who have no reaction to it at all. They may think, oh, that's awful, but, you know, they're desensitized to it. So I teach women and men how to share their um, personal impact stories in a way that resonates most for them. You know, what about your story? For me, there, there are always three platforms for a story. So for me, my platform was being diagnosed at a young age, losing my fertility, being an advocate, slash my life after cancer. So those are my three platforms. Um, There are others, but those are the three most important platforms. So I pick out the three most important platforms, and, you know, I help them basically create, whether it's written or telling it orally, their Mm -hmm. best way of communicating effectively their story. You know that I'm I'm really impressed with your with your whole the, everything that you're doing and you know you and I are I think we're I think we're all here kindred spirits in some way I because, yeah, absolutely you know yeah, I know <laughs> because, I know you know honestly it's I mean I have I have a personal mission in my life and my personal I mean we all have goals and dreams and things we want to do but my mission and it sounds like is it kind of the same as your mission and that is to change people's lives with your words and whether it's yes. a spoken word you know from a stage in front of a hundred people or on the air talking to you know who knows who's listening and um, or if you're writing it you know but you're right sometimes there is a knack to telling a story that's effective and you do want to make sure that you're if you're going to have people out there doing that that they're doing it effectively so so that's what they can learn about in the survivor school and when we say survivor reminder to the audience it's not s-u-r it's c-e-r-v-i-v-o-r and i love i love that that did you come up with that I did not. <laughs> I worked oh. with someone who very creative, told them what I was seeking, and that's what they came back with. And I oh my gosh, they're, whoever that is, brilliant. Is a <laughs> yeah, that, that really is because wow. again, um, uh, spelling it like that, you probably have to spell it. <laughs> yeah. I always have to spell it, and it took yeah. me a while because you, you're like, wait, oh wait, how do I spell it? Okay, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's easy for us because we're looking. Where we're like, this is how you spell it. <laughs> Well, we're looking at our notes as we're talking to you, so for us, it's obvious, but, you know, <laughs> if I were just listening to this, not so much. So how many people do you think you have put through your survivor school? So we used to have this thing called Girlfriends Retreat, but just on the okay. survivor school itself, uh-huh. we've had 75 graduates. We started in September awesome. 2013, and so we've really? a few schools. We're partnering with MD Anderson in February. MD Anderson reached out to me, you know, the great hospital in mm-hmm. Houston, Texas, and they want to have the first all HPV-related 
Survivor School. So it's going to be in partnership with MD Anderson, and I'm really excited about that. We're starting to hold them internationally. We held one in London um, this past December, and we're going to go Ah, to Africa um, and hold one there. And so it's really, really exciting to see what we're doing. So I always say our numbers are small, but we're mighty. Yeah, 75 is not really small when you think about that. How long is your school? What's the structure of it? We have one-day schools, and we also have weekend retreats. Okay, so you just go that one time, and then you've, you're basically... Here's the interesting thing. Once we started having them, what we found was that people are so inspired they want to come back. We just had one in Louisville, Kentucky in August. Mm-hmm. Two of our graduates from Louisville are coming to our school that we're having in Iowa next month in October. Oh, that's nice. So then once they've graduated from this class, then do you help them get on platforms in different places? I do. We have um, a Survivor Ambassador Handbook, and then we have three asks for them. And so one of the things that we ask them to do before they come is to share their story. Because if they're not ready or willing to share their story, then really, truly, Survivor School may not be for them. But if they say, you know what, I want to share it, but I want to share it after Survivor School because I want to be ready as soon as it's over. So we take that. And it really is kind of personalized experience in that way. Each school is personalized to the attendees that are coming. We have a questionnaire that uh, they fill out and we um, make sure that they get what they need. After that, we have a private Facebook group. And so we're constantly updating them. Like, for example, what you just told me about the uncircumcised men, I'm going to go look it up and I'm going to share it. Because if one of my advocates go out and they talk to somebody, I want them to be prepared. So it's always keeping them engaged. And you're not always going to have 100% of the population. And there's some people, they do work, we don't even know it. So it's keeping in touch with them and saying, okay, you're not visible on Facebook, but now you're telling me that you do a lot of work at your cancer mm-hmm. center. So that's a way, because not everybody's going to want to speak, want to be on the media. So we have to take advocates on a platform that works for them. Sure. That they're comfortable with. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. makes sense. Sure. And some are comfortable in a big stage, some are not so comfortable there, but, you know, might do great on radio because it's just you're talking into a microphone, you can't see anybody. Right. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so what else do you want your listeners to know? Um, you know, I, I know this has been a life changing experience for you. And I know we've kind of already talked about, you know, the health insurance and some of those things that are so critical. But, you know, you've learned so much through your journey, and you are now doing such amazing work to really bring this out. So what, what else is there I know that there's more here and I just I just want to know what what other share this information I want people Mm -hmm. to know about HPV and I want them to know the truth okay I want them to know that anybody can get HPV not someone that they may deem a bad person and we have a vaccine if we had a vaccine for breast or ovarian cancer colon cancer it would be flying off the shelves this Mm -hmm. is not a sponsored comment that I'm saying I'm saying this is someone who's had this disease and someone who mentors and support women who die constantly from this. I have three women who are literally dying. They're fighting to save their lives, and they, they're going to die from this disease. I want people to know that this is a real thing. I hate when people say this is the easy cancer or it doesn't really do that much damage. Uh, my easy yeah. cancer cost me my fertility, which has yeah. cost me a lifetime of emotional hurt. My easy yeah. cancer changed my life forever. I'm 41, but sometimes I feel like I'm 81, okay? I want people to know that this is not an easy cancer, but this is a cancer that we can do something about it, and everyone should care about it. 
Yeah, and, you know, and people until they've really been connected to something. I'm, I remember one day just talking to somebody about breast cancer, and it was a, it was a man. I'm sorry to say because we love our men, but it was a man that it was just I was having a random conversation with, and and he says, well, you know, breast cancer, everybody gets that. It's not a big deal anymore, and I, I kind of wanted to grab him and shake him, and so <laughs> it's him. like, really, how many have we lost this year, Sharon? I don't even want to say. Oh, but, I don't know. Just but you know, cervical yeah. cancer is the same Thousands. same thing. It's just, you know, it. There is no a, you know, easy an or easy cancer. There isn't an easy cancer. If no. there was going to be one, it would just, you know, something you could just, you know, like some little dot on you somewhere and you remove it. But sometimes, even when you think you have a little, a little dot on your arm that you think is easy cancer, just go take it off and then they open it up and it's like at the, you know, it's like Titanic at the tip of the iceberg. There, you know, they open it up and it's completely eating your arm, you know. I mean, it's right. just cancer is not easy. And so thank you for raising awareness around that. I think it's super, super important. We only have a couple minutes left. So let's talk, let's kind of go over in detail how they reach you. What are they going to find on your website when they get there? Uh, we've got a couple minutes left. So, so go ahead here, and fill us in. Here's my last thing. You can okay. reach me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Tamika Felder, T A M I K A. F is in Frank, E-L-D-E-R. You can reach my organization, Survivor, C-E-R-V-I-V-O-R, um, on Facebook. On Instagram and Twitter, it's I Am Survivor. I Am Survivor. When you go to Survivor.org, C-E-R-V-I-V-O-R, you're going to find people who are beautiful, wonderful, but are devastated by cervical cancer. And you're going to be empowered. You're going to be inspired. You may cry, but you will feel what these women have gone through. And I want you to Mm. join our movement. I want you to share with one person what you learned today. That's that's beautiful. Thank you. Yeah, it's that's really amazing. And so, I would I would really like to follow up with Beck, what Becky said earlier about writing an article for our newsletter, uh, Tamika, because we would love to be able to share this message in a bigger way. So maybe you know three paragraphs or something. Just that to would kind be of, great. You guys do the same. We'll put something out for you guys. Absolutely, Excellent. that's great. And, you know, I, I do want to thank my husband, Bill Olson, because what he was going to listen in today, hopefully, but he was interested in this subject, so he did a little bit of, of research on it, and he's the one that brought that study about circumcision in men to my attention. So, yeah, thank you. You know, so I, I want to give him a little kudo there for that, because I think it's a really valuable question, you know, and, and I think it's worthwhile. So anyway, we are basically out of time. So Tamika, I want to thank you so, so much for being part of our show today. This show will air again this evening at 10 p.m. Pacific. So you can get to us through the voice, voiceamerica.com website, click on the health and wellness icon. Um, once the, about an hour from now, it'll be available in our archives. So uh, you just, I uh, have to go to breastfriends.org and you can find it through there um, there's a listen now button and you can go there it op- opens up all the topics so um, you can find it there and we do have to go so I want to just remind you we will be back next week until then remember there is always hope and we're here to help you find it thank you for listening to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio Please join Sharon Hennepin and Becky Olson again next Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. There is always hope and we'll help you find it. We'll talk again next time.